New York has consistently been among the top three most visited cities in the world for decades. How long will it take to reclaim that distinction post-pandemic? Tourism is crucially important to the economy of New York City. In ordinary times, it would be about 70 billion in total economic impact. I had a full year planned of tours and it was all gone in one swoop. No, I'm very optimistic, that's all I can say. It's just that we need to wait for that optimism. This is not a city that can be written off. People have tried to do that before and they've all failed. There's a lot of optimism about the city's eventual comeback. While New Yorkers love to complain about tourists getting in their way, they know the city's recovery won't be complete until those visitors return. I'm Steve Kastenbaum, and this is New York Gritty podcast about the resiliency of New Yorkers in a time of crisis. Well, I started off in New York City, playing a song or two. All my gigs cut early and I didn't know what to do. I tried country rock, even blues, dropped my 501 blues. Now I'm the naked cowboy. Keeping it free for you. I'm the naked cowboy. You gotta do what you gotta do. Hey everybody, I'm the naked cowboy, Robert Burke. Robert, this has been probably the most unique period you've ever had in Times Square. How many years have you been out here, first of all? Uh, I've been here 22 years, six months, about 14 days, I think, today, and about an hour and a half so far. So what was it like for you on a typical day pre-pandemic in Times Square? Well, I've always done probably anywhere from 60 to $100 an hour. I mean, you always have a significant amount of traffic. Uh, when the pandemic came, I mean, for a couple of days, it was still kind of like people weren't really believing it, but they, when they really shut it down, only essential workers. Again, my biggest fear was I was going to come in and going to say, hey, you're not an essential worker. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to stop. I just wanted to continue when I was done. I mean, I, I'm a, I do this every day of my life for, you know, so long. I, I, can't, I can't miss a day. I don't even know how. No matter what, I can't talk myself out of it. So anyway, when it was completely gone, it was still very, you know, there was no traffic. That was amazing. And then there's, you know, all the press was out here. I got to cover like New York Mag and all these major publications because the press was here every day and trying, you know, everybody's trying to get that picture with nobody here. And I got that picture every time. So, you know, the branding and the New York City resilience, wearing the mask, being a part of New York and all that was very gratifying. gratifying. How about that? So you've been here consistently through some of the darkest every, days. Every single, every single thing for 22 years. I mean, aside from maybe, again, doing spring break or doing Mardi Gras, where it's a you know, six, seven day period in and out, yeah. or even flying to another country for two, you know, I'm, again, I'm just, if, I miss, if I'm not here, I'm, I'm just kind of sweating it out. I don't know, I got, I'm addicted so, to the place. People seeing you here, I guess it gave them a sense of, of hope, you know, at a time when when uh, there wasn't a lot of hope in the city. To see you still out here sticking it out, you know, this podcast is about resiliency, about gritty New Yorkers sticking it out and, and making do at a really difficult time. I guess, in a way, you were, you were emblematic of that. Well, I'm, that's, that is my mission. And, you know, now you hear all this, you know, the city's falling apart, the crime rates are high, the no bail and all this kind of stuff and make it sound like de Blasio and Cuomo are ruining the place and 500,000, this was months ago. 
have left the city and it's like I'm saying same thing I, some of these guys who work out here same things like let every single person go again I'll stay here I'll just be the only one here fine you know if you can if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and everybody who left they couldn't make it through a pandemic so they weren't real New Yorkers our store is family owned and operated so we're actually a third generation my grandfather opened his first business in Times Square in 1951. Wow. So we've been here in Times Square since 1951, I'd like to say. My name is David Cohen. I am the part owner of Grand Slam New York. We're in Times Square. We're located at 1557 Broadway, and we've been here since 1991. We are a family-owned and operated retail store that caters mainly to New York City tourists. Um, just given the area, but we also cater to just really the New York enthusiasts overall. So we cater to the New York sports fan and just in general, just uh, anybody who's looking to uh, in the area. I mean, we have something for them here in the store. Before the pandemic, I mean, we were extremely pleased with the, uh, the pedestrian numbers. The Times Square Alliance provides us with just... Uh, figures of you know how many people are out in the square and there's a lot of people so that's what we were dealing with pre-pandemic and um mainly mainly tourists and 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 i would say a large portion of that international travelers mm. so obviously when the pandemic hit you know that all came crashing down and uh, it hasn't come back and 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 there's really no definitive timeline as to when it'll be fully back so business was, was booming here in Times Square, getting better year after year. The pandemic hits and, and like a light switch being turned off, everybody disappeared. How many employees and fellow family members do you have that were dependent on the business here, suddenly wondering what's going to happen to us? Right. So first of all, we pride ourselves on always being open. Um, Times Square is a place that's open to the wee hours of the morning. We, our normal day is a 16-hour day. Um, so, I mean, it goes, uh, it's, it's really tough to, to be open 16 hours and then turning the switch down and, and being closed for three months. Um, and it really does make a big impact on the employees. We have about uh, 35 employees maybe 35 to 40 employees that work here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough to, uh, there's a lot of families involved, and it really is tough to uh, to actually turn that switch off without having really any indication of, of when it will be on. And then once it's on, it's like, uh, you know, in, in just limited capacity until it builds up to pre-pandemic levels. But Is there anything that can compare to the three months that you were shut right. down? So, I mean, I was... I grew up in the store, so I don't remember ever being closed at all. So that includes 9-11. I mean, we didn't close during 9-11. Um, a few years later, there was a blackout. Um, we don't close during the blackouts. I mean, we're open. We, we had, like, shirts. You know, I survived the blackout of 2003. Uh, we don't close, so it's, it's, not, uh, it's not in our nature to close. So, like... Closing was really just, I, I mean, unfathomable. I, I couldn't just imagine, you know, being home with the gates down and, you know, stuff. And even when, I mean, I, I, I personally came into the store, you know, 
throughout the pandemic, we have a uh, an, an e-commerce business that also runs out of this facility. And, you know, we were just um, filling orders and I would come here and to a desolate Times Square, not a soul out in the street. It was eerie. It was really uh, eerie. So we went from 365,000 people down to 30,000 people a day. And you saw the images. Times Square was symbolic of the pause and the pandemic. And, uh, and, and, and what was left was those essential workers who were really part of the Times Square community. So we all stuck together, we supported each other, and we will get through this. I'm Tom Harris, acting president of the Times Square Alliance. The Times Square Alliance is a business improvement district that exists to improve and promote Times Square, make it clean, safe, and desirable for all. What was it like here in Times Square prior to the pandemic? This is one of the principal attractions for visitors to New York City. Times Square is the heartbeat of New York City. There's a pulse here, there's an energy here. Pre-pandemic, we had 365,000 people who would walk through here every day. So this place really is amazing. There's a lot to see and be seen. Uh, the tourists who come to New York love it, and, uh, and, and it will be back again. I mean, Times Square will, will be back and better than ever. You, you talked about Times Square being the heart of New York City. I mean, this really is the heart and soul for so many folks coming here who want to see New York. They think of Times Square. What kind of economic impact does it have on this city? How important is it? What are the dollars generated by all those folks coming in here day after day? So Times Square contributes 2.5 billion in New York City taxes and 2.3 billion in New York State taxes annually. Broadway, during the 2019 season, generated 1.76 billion in revenue, a 112% increase since 2005. So the attendance in Broadway for the Broadway community is greater, in one season is greater than the attendance of the 10 metro area professional sports teams combined. That's huge. I mean, you cannot overstate the financial impact that Times Square has on New York City as a whole, and also the psychological impact it has on this city. So do you feel a lot of pressure on yourself to, to help get this back to where it was pre-pandemic? Well, it's good pressure. I, I mean, everyone likes a challenge. Times Square was symbolic of the pause and the pandemic, and our recovery is gonna be symbolic of the resolve and resilience of New Yorkers. It won't return to what it was until the Broadway theaters reopened, but still, you see the tourists today. We're out here on a really nice day in April, and there are people out. There are definitely folks who you spot, who you know are tourists. What was the year like getting to where we are today? So we started at 365,000 people, and almost overnight we went to 30,000 people. We started to see a slow uptick. As the weather got warmer last summer, more and more people were coming out, enjoying Times Square in a safe, socially responsible way. We saw those numbers go up to about 100,000 by September, and they sort of leveled off. Uh, we saw a slight dip in the month of January, which is normal, but early in April of 2021, we had a day when we had 175,000 people pass through Times Square, and that's a significant, significant number for any neighborhood in the world. How did it feel to see that figure again? As the person who's responsible for 
telling folks, hey, we're open for business. How did it feel to see 175,000 people walking through the crossroads of the world again? So it felt really good. I think we all, when the email came out with the number on it, there were a lot of, wow, that's great responses. And it really makes us feel good. And it makes us feel that the efforts that we're making to let people know that it's okay to safely return to the public realm is listened to. And that as we start to ease restrictions, people are starting to come back. There's a real pent up demand for people to travel. And, and it, it is our hope, and we're gonna come up with strategies to make sure that when they wanna travel, that they come to Times Square and come to New York City for that traveling. So before COVID, we came off of 10 consecutive years of tourism growth for New York City. In 2019, the city reached a record 66.6 million visitors, and that was an all-time high. Uh, international, domestic, you name it, we were at record after record. Um, across every aspect of our business, um, we were essentially operating on all cylinders. When the pandemic came around in March, uh, just like the rest of the world, New York City took a nosedive in terms of its tourism. And it was essentially as if a faucet had been turned off. And um, all of that revenue, all of those jobs, um, and all of the vibrancy that comes with the tourism industry went away. My name is Chris Haywood. I'm Executive Vice President of Global Communications with NYC & Company, New York City's official destination marketing organization and Convention and Visitors Bureau. How long has New York City & Company been around? NYC & Company has actually been around since the 1930s. We're recognized as the official destination marketing group for New York City. In the early 2000s, uh, they changed the name from the New York Convention and Visitors Bureau to NYC & Company. And uh, we are recognized as the official promotional and destination marketing group for the five boroughs of New York City. Basically, your organization is the group that sells New York to tourists. And, and that's, under normal circumstances, I would imagine a pretty easy sell, right? <laughs> well, you may think it is, but actually there's a lot that goes into it. You have to understand that uh, there are so many destinations around the world that have become quite sophisticated uh, in their outreach to visitors. And we are actually, uh, while we have 100% brand awareness around the world, you know, we need to raise our awareness and remain competitive because there are so many destinations out there, both domestic and international, that are fighting for that same tourism dollar. A lot of other destinations have big advertising budgets, big promotional budgets. They are able to get their message out to consumers. So I think, you know, while New York is iconic, we certainly have to be fishing where the fish are and we have to, um, especially following a crisis such as COVID, we need to really put our best foot forward to remind the world that we're here. What role does the tourism industry play in New York's economy? And what impact do those dollars have on the running of this city? Tourism is crucially important to the economy of New York City. In ordinary times, it would be about 70 billion in total economic impact, about 40 billion in spending, direct spending, about 403,000 jobs. Um, the tax revenues are, are pretty significant. Um, and I think that um, it is a crucial, crucial industry for New York City. And it's one of the industries I think that can help fuel the recovery of New York City's economy. Where do things stand? in terms of tourists coming to New York, both domestic travelers and international travelers? 
Great question. On April 1st, the lifting of the quarantine um, for domestic travelers to New York City uh, was a game changer for the industry. And so um, I think that that was a signal that things could start to get better. Um, all of the um, it, you know capacities being uh, increased for a number of our businesses, um, whether it's dining or museums and culturals, um, we're seeing those sort of green shoots of recovery and signals of that. So I think domestically, there's huge opportunities. Domestic travel represents about 80% of our visitor volume in a normal year. And so we're going to be able to sort of move forward and start to recover that segment. And so by the end of the year, we're hoping to have about 36.4 million visitors. And that would capture half of the visitors um, that we had, more than half of the visitors that we had in 2019. Your question about international, that is a big question mark because we don't know precisely when those markets will reopen in terms of borders being open and flights resuming for leisure travel. And so that's going to be very, very important to us. And really, it's a function of not only what's going on in New York, which actually has been great. The vaccination program has been strong and things are coming back here. But it's really a function also of what's going out, what's going on in the marketplace in these particular markets. So if you look at some of our markets, they're doing better than others. But international coming back is critical to the health of our visitor economy, because in a normal year, while international represents 20% of visitor volume, they also represent 50% of total visitor spending. So it's critical that we get that international market back. Um, and uh, that's going to be a focus of ours. But we uh, it's, it's really a little bit outside of our direct control. It really is a function of when these borders can open. I had a full year planned of tours. Um, and it was all gone in one swoop, but uh, up until literally the day that I caught COVID, and you know from uh, which was mid March uh, last year. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was just going to be yet another you know very busy year. You know they were they were predicting uh, over seventy million, you know for for the year. So it, it was going to be a banner year for tourism. My name is Christina Ray Stanton. And I'm originally from Tallahassee, Florida, but I moved up to New York City in 1993 at the age of 23 to try my luck on the Broadway stage. And I decided that I wanted a day job that I loved as well. So I decided that tour guiding would be my day job. So I became a licensed New York City tour guide in 1995, and I've been uh, giving tours ever since. And I tour a few thousand tourists every year. So that's, uh, it ended up becoming my, my main job and my, um, so the, the, the Broadway thing kind of, kind of fell away because I fell in love with tour guiding. What was the tourism industry like prior to the pandemic here in New York? You know, each year it seemed like we were hearing announcements of, of another record year and the number of visitors for New York City. You know, ever since I've been a tour guide, it, tourism has grown leaps and bounds. There was a lot of work for tour guides, tons. I was always busy, super busy. Is being a tour guide a good way to make a living in New York? Is, is the salary good? So it is. It's actually very good. But here's the thing. You, you have to be a hustler because, you know, there's a lot of tour guides and there's a lot of ways to get a tour guide. So if you are not out there and marketing yourself and um, <clears throat> securing work from different companies, it's going to be seasonal, seasonal meaning like March to June, and then maybe a couple months in the fall. 
and there it, it can be low paying work. So mm-hmm. if you want to kind of reach that upper echelon where you're making a, a decent wage and you know you can uh, you're make you know a, a good yearly uh, salary, then then you just have to have that kind of hustler mentality to get yourself out there to get yourself known and you need to come up with tours that are cutting edge and different from other tour guides so it's a whole thing it's not a job where you kind of clock in and clock out that's for sure you work in an industry where you have to be face to face with people every day yeah how are you going to feel about walking around the city again especially given everything you went through and then the things you're still dealing with now as a long hauler Listen, I'm uh, I am the first cheerleader of New York City. I want people to come back. I'm glad people are out and about. But the reality is that um, even though uh, the United States seems to be emerging, other countries are getting worse. And I think that uh, we're not keeping that in mind. You know that um, we're not out of this. <laughs> we're not out of of the pandemic. And and here's the thing. Um, even though international travel, uh, international tourists only represent 20% of the tourism in New York City, they spend four times as much. And uh, so they stay longer and they spend a lot more. And that's a whole spate of work that's not going to happen for a while. I have no tour guides that friends that I know that are back to work. So at, I, I hear people are there. I hear people out and about. I am very, very happy. But I'm going to have to speak from tourism that... Um, that that industry is still crushed. And um, so it's going to be a while, right? Um, even after 9-11, it took four years for the city to return to, to, to uh, n- a normal tourism levels. So we still have a long way to go. And right now, international tourism isn't happening at all. So I just feel like um, I just wanted to say that. And it has nothing to do with, I'm not casting a shadow on New York City. It's just that the it's still the tourism industry is still decimated, and there's a lot of people who are still desperately out of work. Uh, when I finally do get back to touring, I, um, I I think probably my first order of business will be relearning the city because so much has closed that I really have to kind of uh, uh, go back and relearn everything. So, as a tour guide, what is your greatest concern for the tourism sector in New York City coming out of this pandemic? My concern is that there's been so many restaurants that closed and there has been talk of even some museums permanently closing. There was so many museums and restaurants and attractions that the pandemic hurt that I'm afraid that some of them will permanently close. And, and hey, it's New York. Things will be replaced uh, it's uh, it's a, an, a shifting, changing city. However, there you know there are some places that tourists just really loved and that were really that fabulous, and I, I really mourn some of them closing. And again, things will be replaced or whatever. But I have just really enjoyed, you know, how New York has been. And it was so uh, friendly to to visitors and had so much to offer. I'm afraid this made things a bit narrower. Are people going to enjoy themselves? Yes, but tourists, tourists, um, tour guides like myself will know that there has been a loss in some of those that permanently closed. 
it, it might just be us who know that, but I'll, I'll be sad personally that some of those places will never reopen. That was a joy to take people to, and we'll just get to know new ones and, and time goes on. But, but um, yeah, that's been, that's been sad for me. When I, when I've, when I've heard about different closings, I would, I would have my own kind of mourning <laughs> for that. <laughs> You know, I was here during 9-11, and we thought that would have been the worst disaster in my lifetime I'd go through, and I was living here at the time. And uh, we got through that, but we had no idea what this would be. We all thought this was just going to last three or four weeks or maybe uh, two months at the most, and it was it's, it's, it's a, just a nightmare, let me put it that way. Hi, it's John Fitzpatrick, uh, President and CEO of Fitzpatrick Hotels North America. I own two hotels in Midtown, one on 57 and Lex, the Fitzpatrick Manhattan. And the other hotel is the Fitzpatrick Grand Central, located on 44th Street between Lexington and 3rd. Two small boutique hotels. What was business like for you and the hotel industry prior to the pandemic? We heard about year after year record numbers of visitors coming to New York and each year eclipsing the previous year. What was business like for you and your hotels prior to March of 2020? Well, Steve, it was, as we would say, plain sailing. It was really, really good. The markets were great. Uh, business was good. We were running both hotels around 90% occupancy, but, which I do you know, for many, many years because we're a small, personalized, owner-operated hotel. So it's a little different than most hotels in New York. So we get a lot of repeat business. So Business was great. Um, you know, the only one thing we did notice, though, over the last few years that, you know, our rev power was down a little bit because the amount of new hotels in the city. And that's due, you know, to success of hotel business. A lot of new hotels were built. What was the immediate impact on your hotels when that faucet was turned off and the flow of visitors dried up? We, we've heard from others that it went down to less than 20% of what it was under under normal circumstances. Yeah, well, it's, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, especially our two hotels being the only two Irish hotels in New York, it was right coming up to St. Patrick's Day. Um, there was a lot of business the week beforehand. We got a lot of Irish come over and a lot of events in Washington and everything. And um, so we were running at 100%. And then overnight, when the president declared that he was shutting international travel down and the pandemic had really hit, you know, we had a decision. I had a decision to make with my two hotels. You know, they were within 12 blocks of each other. Um, didn't know how bad it was, but I said, we better consolidate. So I consolidated into one hotel and I picked the Fitzpatrick Grand Central over the Fitzpatrick Manhattan for a number of reasons. One, it was bigger. So it uh, had 50 more rooms, but also had this great big lobby and an outdoor bar area. One of my bars is outdoor and it's been like that for years and we have a heated bar, outdoor space. So I said, no, again, none of us knew how to handle COVID at this stage, but we just felt big bar, open air, whatever. We didn't realize how important that was as we went through. So we went from 95% that week, nearly 100% down to zero in one. And we then decided to keep Grand Central open because I had an airline crew of 10 rooms. I didn't want to kick them out of the street. But also we thought we would be able to help frontline workers, city you know, workers and things like that. But truthfully, it never, we really never went above 15% occupancy, 10 or 15 rooms a night. It was just, it was a nightmare. I'll be honest with you, as a hotelier all my life, I never thought I'd walk into one hotel 
and the lights would be off. I mean, that was your biggest nightmare. You know what I mean? And to think that could happen. And then to walk into the other hotel and it just be empty. So it, it was not a good time. Well, you know, it's almost, it was shell shock, really. Uh, PTSD after that. And so uh, and I don't say it lightly at all because you had uh, in many of the smaller hotel owners instances, people who were wealthy by any standards suddenly, you know, staring at, uh, you know, monetary oblivion. Occupancy went from 89% on average for the whole city to 14% for that following week. So you've lost close to 80% of your business overnight. I'm Vijay Dandapani, President and CEO of the Hotel Association of New York City. Uh, We represent the interests of the hotel industry in the city of New York. And we're one of the oldest uh, associations around the country and the oldest hotel association founded in 1878. How many hotels are there in New York City? And how many hotel rooms are there in New York City uh, that are part of your organization? I mean, it seems like there was a boom in hotel construction over the last decade or so in New York City. Well, let me answer the last part first. Uh, Yes, there was a boom. Uh, If you go back in time to the end of the financial crisis, 2008, which seems like a different millennia almost, uh, there were about 75,000 rooms, and by the time we hit the pandemic, there were 129,000 rooms. So it almost uh, doubled, uh, not quite, but almost did. And we still have more rooms coming. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we had 700 hotels, 704 to be precise, of varying numbers of room counts. As of March 31st, uh, 226 hotels uh, had closed. Uh, the total room count for the closures, I think it was in the 30,000 range. Uh, but these were both temporary and permanent closures. Now, in New York, prior to the pandemic in 2019, we had a record number of people come to New York City. We were approaching 70 million people in one year. W- what kind of economic impact did that have on the hotel industry and on New York in general? That's a great question. Uh, So let me answer this by first saying that the hotel industry's total room revenue alone, that doesn't count banquets and food and beverage, et cetera, in 2019 was $11 billion. And the hotel industry contributed to the city of New York alone, not the state, $3.2 billion in taxes. Um, So the impact from this tourism was enormous. And obviously that in part prompted that hotel construction boom. But the boom far exceeded the demand just because there were way more rooms that were being built in relation to supply. You know, that's um, obviously a mismatch at some level. In any event, the pandemic has served to put a break in one sense by hotel closures. Um, But as I said earlier, we still have more rooms coming on because it takes three years before you uh, get a hotel open. It's a huge economic engine for New York City. Your industry plays a huge role in the day-to-day functioning of New York City because of the tax revenue it generates, right? Without question. And I didn't mention that we had 55,000 employees in the hotel industry alone pre-pandemic. So um, it's a huge uh, revenue generator, but also a job generator. And the big distinction between our industry and finance and some of the others that operate in the city is 
most of the jobs, certainly not all, but most of the jobs, you did not require a college degree. In fact, you didn't even require a high school diploma. So, and nevertheless, afforded in most instances, a middle-class livelihood. So if you were working in a union hotel, for example, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, or even post-pandemic, those that are open, um, the average wage was $34 an hour. With benefits, it came to $54 an hour. And a take-home pay for these employees, housekeepers, doorman, front desk, etc., was in the $75,000 range and actually cost the hotel, on average, $100,000. So how are the, the hotel owners and operators getting by now? Uh, all I can say is that everyone's just trying their best to hold on. There's almost still a moratorium, not almost, there is a moratorium in international arrivals. Domestic travel is still uh, barely picking up, it's there. And there's no business travel to speak of, domestic travel, because um, technology companies have essentially told their workers to not uh, travel for business. Uh, even the Midtown, where I'm sitting in my office right now on 51st Street off Park Avenue, the office buildings around me are all empty. It's black. Uh, in front of me is Black Rock's <laughs> headquarters or one of its buildings. Anyway, it's just dark with no lights on. So business meetings are not taking place. So how are they holding on? You know, it's as they say, a human being can hold your breath underwater for seven minutes. <laughs> we are getting to the sixth minute is what I would say. You know what? New York has this constant love affair. I think people know it through TV and film. Um, it's known as a place that has a resilience to it. It's a, a place that people know that if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Um, it's sort of an aspirational destination um, that people people romanticize. Uh, people uh, look at it as a way, as an experience that they can have here in New York that is like no other. That's Chris Haywood of NYC and Company again. Is there a point when you are going to feel like you can exhale? Is there something that you're going to see in the tourism industry that that allows you to say, okay, it looks like our recovery is on solid footing? You know, I, it's a very good question. My first reaction to that would be when Broadway comes back this fall, um, in September, hopefully, I think that will be an extraordinary signal. Having said that, I want to make clear it's not a consolation prize to be here before that comes back. And I think my point of exhale, I'm actually half exhaled right now. Um, but I think once we have another month of these vaccines under our belt and we feel like most Americans who have wanted that vaccine had access to it and most New Yorkers are vaccinated, um, I'm thinking by June we're going to be in a very, very good position. I think with the weather improving and with people just finally saying, okay, we can do this. Uh, confidence is building, vaccines have, have been given and we're going to do this at our own pace and the way that we feel most comfortable, but it's New York and uh, you know it's time to just do it and, and immerse yourself. So I think, I think it's gonna happen and I, my guess would be probably June, and I think certainly come September, it's going to be burgeoning. And I think it's going to be this massive comeback. Um, You're going to really see it build this fall. So I think that, you know, um, by the time the holidays come along, it's going to be it's going to be gangbusters. I'm absolutely certain we'll come back. It's just that it's going to take a much longer time. We predict it'll be 2025, may even be 2026 
before you see numbers of the kind we saw in 2019. Once again, Vijay Dandapani, the head of the Hotel Association of New York City. It'll be a healthy market eventually because there's no other city like New York City that has in one small geographic concentration museums, attractions, Broadway, hotels, restaurants, uh, you know, heliports even. <laughs> Uh, so you've got such a shopping, how could I omit that? So uh, you've got these attractions that are simply unparalleled. Uh, we have these all these attractions which are essentially walking distance uh, for most people in a small area. And so we think they'll all come back. Broadway is going to come back. Broadway is the very heart of New York. And uh, it's unparalleled, unduplicable, duplicatable, if you will. I'll coin a word there. And... Uh, and so, therefore, we think it's it's a question of time. Longer, but it will come back. Oh, it's going to be fabulous. It's going gonna, it's gonna to return. It'll, you know, here's the thing. Uh, New York City really is such an ideal place to, to visit. Tour guide Christina Ray Stanton. It has so many world-class everything, from entertainment to museums. The attractions are so interesting, from the Statue of Liberty to Empire State Building. There's truly something for everyone, whatever you're into, <laughs> whatever hobbies you have, um, whatever language you speak. Um, there, I mean, whether place in the world can actually say that. Have all that? It's the entire package. It's the entire combination that make it probably the best place in the world to visit. Recently, the mayor announced that City Hall was putting $30 million into a marketing campaign with NYC and company to help boost the city's tourism comeback. The goal is to hit 36.5 million visitors by the end of 2021. If worldwide COVID figures start to turn around and the pandemic subsides, officials here hope to return to pre-coronavirus levels of tourism by the end of 2024. Follow New York Gritty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Check out the website for more on the city's recovery from the pandemic, nygritty.com, and send me an email if you have a story about how you're getting by during this tough time, steve at nygritty.com. Follow New York Gritty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for details on upcoming episodes and more information about the impact of the pandemic here. I'm Steve Kastenbaum. Thanks for listening.